we're finishing our series, Elevate. And Elevate has been about seeking the heart of God, and I hope you've been doing that, uh, setting some God-honoring goals for, for our lives, and putting together a life plan. You know, and I've said this isn't about resolutions. This is life plan stuff uh, that we put together this year. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, vision in the Hebrew is hazom. It means to dream, to have a revelation. Where, where there is no dream, where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, people perish. And we've talked about various areas of our lives. Uh, we've talked about financially elevating. We've talked about vocationally elevating, relationally and spiritually. And today I want to focus on physically elevating. And as I was preparing this message I have to tell you, my mind kind of flashed to last Sunday night. <laughs> I was I was watching watching the game and uh, the some of the most physical fit, physically fit men on the planet were playing ball. And I'm also trying to forget last Sunday, uh, by the way. And I appreciate all the phone calls, the texts. Uh, I appreciate you waiting until the game was over uh, this time. So, But uh, here's what hit me. As I was eating my way into oblivion, hot wings with blue cheese, as if they weren't bad enough, fries, jalapeno poppers. Do you see the irony here? I mean, I was thinking this morning, the, the band, they're, they're passing chocolate chip cookies around for breakfast. And I thought... Oh, this will be interesting. But where there's no vision for our physical health, people perish. When I was doing research for this message over the last month, statistically, it was staggering to me. Eight out of ten Americans over the age of 25 are overweight. More than 69% of Americans are overweight or obese. The number of overweight adolescents in our country today has tripled in the last 15 years. Diabetes, heart disease, doctors will tell you it's become pandemic. That the primary reason has to do with weight. I was looking at the CDC, uh, the Center for Disease Control, and, and listen to this. In 1995, there was not one single state in the United States, not one of the 50, had more than 20% population that was considered obese. Today, there is not one state in the union that is not over 20%. And I also found it interesting as I was studying that infectious diseases in the U.S., we're talking about things like, like measles, mumps, malaria, uh, typhus, yellow fever, AIDS, that out of, out of all those diseases, 
The, the fact is that 20 million people will die from those diseases. That's unacceptable. We, we have to defeat the, those diseases. But get this. 50 million people will die from weight-related diseases, which is absolutely manageable. Obesity is only second to smoking as a preventable cause of death. And if the trend continues, it will be number one in our country. Eight million people have an eating disorder, anorexia, bulimia, and that number has significantly rose in the last 10 years. Anorexia is the third most common chronic illness among adolescents. 95% of those with eating disorders are between the ages of 12 and 25. 78% of Americans do not meet the basic daily activity requirements. And friends, I could go on and on, and this is a tough subject, and so I hope you know today as I'm talking I'm speaking to myself as well, okay? Let me ask this, and let's just be honest for a minute. Are there some things that you could do to improve your health? You know, just do a quick assessment. How many of you would say, yeah, there's some things I could do? All right. Here's my question then. Why don't we? When it comes to our physical health, Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people, few bodies, end up somewhere on purpose. And I know the tendency this morning will be to kind of push the topic aside and say, well, okay, the other things that we've talked about, the other topics, those are important, but this isn't a big deal. But I don't know if you realize it as we've been going through and looking and tackling various areas that every area impacts every area. And the same is true with our physical life. Uh, The fact is that if we're not good stewards with our bodies, it can impact your finances, your relationships. It can impact your, your vocation. And get this, it can even hinder or keep you from doing what God created you to do. We get one life. And what I want to do is help us maximize our potential and get us thinking a little bit. 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 19 and 20. Paul writes uh, these words, and I'll tell you, he's addressing um, sexual purity here. But I think there's a broader implication. It says... Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. See, I I think the implication here is that as Christians, if you're a Christian today, the Holy Spirit takes up residency in you. In other words, you are now carrying for the temple of God, the house of God. And I wonder, why do we, why do we struggle when it, when it comes to our, our bodies? Why do we struggle with, with health 
And I think Jesus kind of hits on it. He kind of answers the question. Uh, this is right before he was arrested and crucified on a cross. He's talking to his disciples. He's kind of giving them an assignment. He says, guys, could you stay awake and watch and pray? But they do something else. In fact, uh, Mark records the, the story. Jesus says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation Together, let's read this. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I believe there are times that our bodies run counter to God. That we have good intentions, but the, but the body's weak. Uh, Paul would put it another way. Paul, Paul writes in Romans 7. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. In fact, I think Paul, if he was here today, he would say some things like this, like, the things that I'm not supposed to eat, I eat. The, the things that I'm supposed to eat, I don't want to eat. I know I should rest, But I just got a lot of stuff to do. I I know I should exercise more, but I don't want to. In fact, I could go on and on here. You know, like honoring the Sabbath, taking time off, uh, substance abuse, uh, stress management, all all of which I believe heavily impact our, our health. But what I want to do is give us a a couple reasons why I think we lose the battle, why we don't do the things that we should do and we don't uh, do the things or we do the things that we shouldn't do, you know. I mean, I'm in here with you. But one of them is that we're short-sighted in our lives. We don't really consider the cost of of what we're doing today. You know, we, we... do this in every area of our life, and I think it's true in our physical life. And I'll give you a few examples. I'm going to suntan today. I'm going to bronze up, baby. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You know why? Because I look good when I'm bronzed. Suntan today, skin cancer tomorrow. Like a quarter pounder with cheese. Meal deal, please. Supersize it. Supersize today. Supersize tomorrow. I don't have time to rest. I've got to burn the candle on both ends. Fatigue syndrome tomorrow. A few beers today. Beer belly tomorrow or worse. few smokes today, cancer tomorrow. Friends, we're short-sighted in our lives. And it just, it messes us up. We also, one of the struggles and why we fail so many times, I think, is because we rely on a thing called willpower, right? And willpower, it works. It works for about three weeks, 
And then you get tired. You forget the diet. You stop working out. You, you start smoking again. You, it's just not enough. And don't misunderstand me. I think willpower is a great thing. And it is fantastic for the short term. But by itself, well, good luck with that. Because the entire time, whatever it is that you are trying to do or not do, the whole time, your brain and your body, you're forcing it to do what it doesn't want to do. And, and that's why I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands if you've already broke your resolution for the year. In fact, I probably could have been about a week in. said, how many of you have bailed out on your resolution already? But it's because we try and do it with willpower. And I think Paul understood that there's a battle in us. There's a battle in your life and mine. The fact is, I want to do the right thing. But I don't. And he kind of gives us the, the key, ultimately. This is on down after he'd written and talked about the battle in us. He goes, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivered me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, you need more than willpower. You need God's power in your life. You need the power of Jesus Christ at work in your life if you're going to be able to to see things through. I think the other reason we get in trouble is because our motivations are just wrong. You know, when, when a goal whatever it is that, that we set for ourselves, is about me, it's usually not enough. I need, I need something bigger in my life. Let's just say that I want to lose weight. Because why? I want to look good. I want to live longer. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, Right? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would say that's a good reason. That they, it's a legitimate reason. But, friends, what I want to talk about is deeper than this. It's much deeper. It has spiritual significance. It's a, a godly reason in, in our lives. It's, it's driven by a God-given purpose. It's about reaching our full God-given potential in every single area of our lives. And I got thinking, you know, I grew up in the church. I was in the church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday. Anytime the church was open, I, I was there. I never heard one message on physical health or on the body. Not one. I heard about the importance of the spirit, the importance of the mind, the importance of character and value, but not one time did I hear anything about Health and, and the reason why I, I even bring it up is that I believe... How many of you grew up in the church? Let me see hands. All right. We grew up in the church, but I would argue that we have no theology when it comes to our body, when it comes to, to health. And I would also argue that God created fearfully. God created us wonderfully, Scripture says. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And that everything we are is a gift from God. And we should honor God 
with, with our bodies. I, I think sometimes, and I'm going to just talk in broad terms, but I think sometimes in America, we make the same mistake that the Greeks made. You know, back in the time of like Aristotle and Socrates and uh, Plato, because they believed in a dualism. In other words, they separated the mind from the body. They basically said, you know what? Body doesn't matter. Spirit spirit matters. Mind matters. If the spirit is right with God, then it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies. And, and they kind of devalued the body. In fact, they abused it. They even took it a step further and just said, we can do whatever we want with our bodies because they're evil. They're, they're, they're a bad thing. And I want to tell you the body's holy. In fact, everything you have is a holy. It is a, a gift from God. Everything we've been given is a gift from God. We're stewards. And it includes the body. But I think motive's getting in the way. I think another reason we fail is we go it alone. We go it alone. I've always said when you fly alone, you will crash alone. We are made for community. That's why I'm always pushing small groups, saying get in a small group. You need, you need a small group. You need people around you to do life. You need a place that you can connect and do life together. You need a place of, of support, a place that holds you accountable, uh, where people are coaching you and encouraging you and cheering you. Have you ever decided to do something, maybe a, a discipline in your life or go on a diet or exercise? How many of you have ever decided something like that but you don't tell anyone? Come on, come on. This is gonna be... And the reason we do that So if I fail, no one will know, right? Right? You say, one of these days, I'm going to change. Well, you, you would if you could. But you can't, so you won't. And I would argue you need help. You need other people beside you. We looked at this in this series before, but two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toil, for if they fall, one will lift up the other, but woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. See, we're better together. We're better in community. The fact is, this is true in every single area of your life. Let a few people know your intentions, your goals, what it is that you're attempting to to do in your life. Because when you do that, you up the chances of success. When when it comes to your physical life, I just want to raise a few questions today, all right? And one is, how are you going to feed your body? How are you going to feed your body? It says, after all, no one ever hates their own body. But they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. You know, are we honoring God with what we put into our bodies? I can tell you, Super Bowl Sunday, not, not a good thing. 
And it's also not the norm. Watched a documentary about four or five years ago. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Supersize Me? How many of you have seen the document? The fact that I remember it tells you one of a couple things. I either have no life <laughs> or it made a serious impression on me. There's a, a guy named uh, Morgan in, in the story, and he eats at, we won't name the fast food restaurant, but the same fast food restaurant with arches out front. Um, but he eats at the same place, three meals a day, for 30 days. He did it under the supervision of a team of doctors and uh, nutritionists. He gained 10 pounds the first week. After three weeks, the doctors told him, quit, stop. You are endangering your you're endangering your life. His vital signs went, went off the charts. They, they really were worried he was going to have a heart attack. But he continued on, ended up gaining 25 pounds. And it's interesting because the doctors were saying, you know, he would have gained a lot more, but it was because he lost so much muscle during this time that muscle weighs a lot more than, than fat that it kind of uh, counter, countered the, the number. But... It was interesting because they also said it took him five months to get back to where he was weight-wise. But get this, it took him nine months to get his vitals back to where they were before he started. Think about that. Three meals a day for 30 days, and that's what it did. There is a war going on inside us. I don't have time to eat right. I don't have time to get my proper rest. I don't have time to exercise. I know I shouldn't eat this. You know, I know I should take better care of myself. I know I should stop smoking. I know I should stop drinking. And it's a war. Now, I am not going into detail today, you know, about diets and exercise programs and stress-reducing techniques and you know, addiction and treatment programs, that is not what I'm doing. The, the fact is we are all different, all right? What works for me will not work for you, maybe. And what works for you might not work for me. But here's what I want to do today. I want to inspire us just a little bit to, to do some homework, to do some research, to seek some advice in our life, to start assessing things and really looking at what, what we're eating, some of our habits in, in life, to get a game plan, to maybe make some changes, maybe make a commitment to being healthier, and to just evaluate this particular area of our life and say, you know what, I want to be more God-honoring with it. All right? So how, how will you care for your body? How will you care for your body? You know, Scripture, Paul says, after all, no one ever hates their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Here's what I find odd. How many of you, how many of you own a car? How many teenagers wish they owned a car? Yeah. All right. Everybody that, everybody that owns a car, 
how many of you get the oil changed? All right, this will also help you know whose car to buy and who's not to buy. But All right, how many of you, when something is acting up with your car, take it in to get it fixed or do it yourself? All right, here's the odd part that I find. Our bodies infinitely more important than a vehicle. But many times, we take better care of our vehicles than we do our bodies, this temple of God. This is a stewardship issue, and it's important. It's important. Have you ever given someone something? Maybe you thought, man, this is really cool. This is a great gift. And you give it to them and then maybe go over to their house and it's all scratched up and torn up, maybe thrown over in the corner with a bunch of other junk. And it's very obvious it wasn't cared for very well. You ever had that happen? Don't point at anyone, but you ever had that happen? It kind of makes you feel awful. And I would argue that God's given us this amazing body, fearfully, wonderfully made. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to spend the afternoon with Billy Graham. Um, There were about 25, 26 of us pastors. It was an amazing afternoon. I will remember it till the day I die. One One of the greatest evangelists in history, someone I'd looked up to my entire life. And there was a time of Q&A where we could just ask questions and I remember one of the guys in the group, he said, what's one piece of advice that you would give a pastor starting out? Now, I'm thinking he's going to say something like, you know, pray more or take more risks or spend more time with God or, you know, read your Bible more, trust God more. And he, he had talked about those things throughout the day, Okay. But when he was asked, what's the one piece of advice that he would give a a new starting pastor, he focused on one thing. He said, I would tell them to take care of their body. And then he talked about how he hadn't through the years. He talked about the cost in his life, the pain. And it was off the charts in the pain area. He talked about his health struggles as he got older. He talked about how it affected his his relationships, his family, and his ministry. And I remember as he was just unfolding all that, he came to a point and he paused. And then he said one of his greatest regrets was this area. Because he said, I wondered if I could have ran longer and harder as I got older. I wonder how much more I could have done for the kingdom of God if I'd have just taken better care of myself. I'll never forget that. What I want to do is just kind of prompt us in a couple areas. Um, So maybe, maybe, as we get older, We don't have to have regrets. One, I want to suggest that you make sure you get regular checkups. 
All right? Jesus said this. He says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. And you may go, well, why are you using that verse? Because it says you don't need a doctor unless you're sick. And you're saying regular checkups, right? But I'm using that because it it validates a a principle. I mean, I I love the spiritual principle. And that is that Jesus said, you know what? I, I came to save broken people. I came to save people that were broken with sin, that his focus wasn't on the righteous, but on, on sinners. But on another level, he's validating doctors here. In fact, one of the 12 disciples, Luke. Luke was a physician. And I've never really understood why some Christians say, oh, it's unspiritual to go to a doctor, but that's another day. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'll have to speak on that sometime. Some of you just need to make a commitment to get a regular checkup. Um, you know, you're over 40, there are extra checkups. You know, if you're under 40, you're going, what's he talking about? Well, trust me. Even if you're holding at 39, and I know some of you are, you know, make an appointment. Some of you need to make an appointment this week because... You've been putting it off. Something's been bothering you. Something's unusual. You're not sure what's going on. Get it checked out. Get it checked out. I have been in ministry long enough, and I've had this conversation many, many times through the years. And some will say, you know, i got this thing going on, and they'll kind of describe what's happening, and I'll always go, what's the doctor thing? And they'll go, oh, I haven't been to the doctor. I'm just I'm worried about what they might say. Make an appointment. I mean, I always tell them, I say, make an appointment. Why, why worry about something? Maybe it's nothing. And you're going to worry till you go anyway. So just go. You know, why go on worrying like that? Get a checkup. Consistent exercise. Elevate. Kind of a cue if you're sitting there right now and you're going, well, I'm not sure if I exercise or not. If you're thinking that, you're not exercising enough. I mean, it's just that simple. Paul writes this. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Physical training is good. It has benefits in this life. Seeking God, seeking godliness, it's better because it benefits this life and the next. But a lot of people have taken the scripture and they just twisted it. And they go, oh, physical stuff doesn't matter. That, that's not what it says. It says physical training is a good thing. But it's confined to this life. We will get new bodies in the next life. Consistent exercise has benefits. So, what happens with that? What changes through the seasons, right? There are things that I used to do that I can't do anymore. And I'm sure as I get older, it'll shift again and it'll shift again. I remember my my first parish, um, I had a guy who was 100 years old. He swung a baseball bat a hundred times a day. I asked him the secret to living so long. He said, I swing this bat. And uh, 
I went home and tried it. I thought I was going to kill myself. But it does change with the seasons. I remember there was a time in, in my life, I had spent about a year in the hospital, and my exercise consisted of walking about 15 feet four times a day. No joke. I spent the next uh, several years trying to get back to where I was before, and I never got there. But the fact is, consistent workout. And I know, as I say that, some of you are going, well, I don't have time to work out. You have time for what you choose to have time for. It's just that simple. You know, every Thursday, just anyone that knows me very well knows that Thursday night, I hit the courts. Two and a half hours of ball. I do not schedule anything during that time. I don't wait to see if I feel like doing it. I guard that time. I protect that time. And unless I have an emergency or crisis that I have to go handle, I'm there. You know, Cindy, when she checks out at the end of the day, I know where she's going to be. She's heading down to hit the elliptical and the the weight room. And she would tell you that besides the, the just feeling better physically and burning off calories, that it just clears her head. Some of you need to make a commitment to some regular exercise. Maybe you need to see a doctor beforehand if you've got health issues. You know, maybe you need to see a trainer, figure out what it is. Maybe you need to read and study and figure out what it is that, that you want to do, but then start doing something, something. And just a little caution, because I know you guys pretty well. There is someone sitting here right now, and you're going... You know what? I do need to do something. I haven't done anything for years. There's a 42K race next week. I'm going to run it. I mean, I, I bet I was close. Start small. Start small. Maybe just walk around your neighborhood. Maybe you work out for 15 minutes, you know, and kind of work up from there. Do something you love to do. Because if you hate doing it, you won't do it. You know, ride a bike, join an aerobics class, you know, get a, get a Wii and uh, do Dance Dance Revolution or something. I don't know. Just find something you love doing. Someone said, uh, discipline's doing what I can today to enable me to do tomorrow what I can't do today. Make a commitment to do something and then build on it, all right? It takes time. It takes time. Here's one more thing, and that is defeat addiction in your life. You know, by the power of our risen Savior, by Jesus Christ and all that he stands for, we can beat and defeat addictions. You know, Paul writes in Corinthians, he says, I have the right, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not mas- be mastered by anything. Here's the question. What masters you? Another way you can get at it is, what do other people say to you? You know, like, you really ought to quit. You really ought to start, you know, fill in the blank. What is it? that people keep saying to you that you keep deflecting 
oh, I, I can't deal with this. I, can't, I don't want to deal with it. I, I, I could quit any time I want. Why haven't you? You know, what's mastering you? Is it, is it tobacco? Smoking? Chewing? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? And I'm going to include prescriptions in this. You know, is it sexual sin? Is it food addiction? Is it overeating? Not eating like we should? Eating and purging? Is it workaholism? Is it not getting rest? I mean, this stuff will cost you. It will cost you what's important to you. And I I want to promise you that there is absolutely no addiction that cannot be overcome. There is no addiction that you cannot defeat with the power of Jesus Christ. But you've got to own it first. You've got to own it first. You've got to bring whatever it is. And you've got to bring it out of the dark into the light. And hear me. You don't tell everyone. Okay? Bad idea. Bad idea. But you tell a few people. A few people that love you. That care about you. This is why community is so important. We need uh, each other. So go to your small group. Again, don't announce it to the whole small group. Find a couple people and just go, here's what's mastering me. Here's what owns me. I need you to pray for me. I need you to encourage me. I need you to support me. I need you to hold me accountable in this area of my life. And let the church be the body. Let the church be what God created it to be. I always think about Romans 8, 1, one of the most promising verses in Scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has a plan for your life, absolutely has a plan. And please understand, my intention is not for us all to go out of here and feel bad. But my intention is for us to break the bonds that are destroying us. That are keeping us from being all God created us to be. That are keeping us from that abundant life that Jesus Christ promises. And so if you're, you're battling an addiction, you may need a group to support you. In fact, you do need. Maybe you need a, a group that's specifically built for, for that. You know, groups like AA and things. Maybe you need to seek professional help. You know, a doctor, psychologist, a counselor, a treatment program. But take the steps that you need to take and defeat whatever addictions destroy you. When it comes to physical health, God didn't create us to be cookie cutters, all right? When it comes to physical health, it's definitely not what you see on TV that society promotes and says, oh, this is, this is what it looks like. I'm talking about being the best you that you can be. Being God-honoring. And that we just seek God. And whatever area, but you know what? 
what are you seeking here? What are you seeking? You know, Paul writes this. He says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Friends, I'd challenge you. Set some goals. Set some goals. Elevate your physical life. Honor God with your body. Everybody ends up somewhere, but few bodies end up somewhere on purpose. In our whole series, it's been based... Where there's no vision, the people perish. I would challenge you to seek God in every single area of your life. And for faith fellowship, that we just elevate in every single area. And get a God-honoring vision for, for our lives so that we all end up somewhere on purpose. Now next week, Starting a new series, uh, Ignite. Um, and I'm excited about it because I think one of the hardest things to figure out is how do, how do you keep growing, especially if you've been in the church for a while? How, how do you keep moving forward? And we're going to talk about just basic principles and how do you keep the fires fresh in, in your life? How do you keep that excitement that maybe you felt when you first gave your life to Christ? Just how do you keep those embers burning? So let's stand for a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. You have created fearfully and wonderfully. God, I know you have a plan. And I know that when you created each one of us, that you saw all the potential in us. And God, I pray that in every single area, that we just honor you. That we would be who you created us to be. God, forgive us when we fail. Give us strength for those climbs when we know we need to elevate whatever area. God, may we always be who you created us to be, who you designed us to be. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. This day and every day. Amen.